You are listening to the Red Leaf Retrocast, your best location to learn, remember, and relive the past of the present. I hope you enjoy today's retro gaming episode. I hope you go down memory lane with us, relive some nostalgia, or at the very least, enjoy listening to a bunch of guys talk about old video games. And now, on to the show. Welcome, it's episode 40 of the Red Leaf Retrocast, the big 4-0. I'm your host, JD, joined here with my fellow host, Kevin, on this wonderful Hi. Sunday. How you doing? I'm sleepy. I regrettably did not eat enough before this, and I <laughs> definitely, definitely should have gotten some caffeine, but I'm here. Oh, I got a nice little cup of, cup of brew in my hand right now. I got some water for later in the cast. Uh, this should be good. It should be good. We got since it's uh another divisible of five number, uh, which we started a, a few, a few podcasts ago. Um, which means we're doing a console special. Fitting for console Kev to be here, right? Ha ha ha! Yay! <laughs> and we're doing the Intellivision, Intellivision games. Uh, so this should be good. We're going way back to the to the early '80s. So that'd be. It's very different, a lot, a lot older than we're used to on this cast. So that's what we're doing. Our our topic uh, naturally, we're going to be talking about some of the games we're, we've been playing, been diving into. A uh, little topic over the Intellivision itself, which would be which uh, I found very interesting when I was researching it. And where would we be if I didn't introduce our ongoing contest this month? Ooh. Yeah, if you go to Gleam.io, there's a Link in the description of the episode, or you can go to Twitter at BullyingJD, the pinned tweet, or other tweets will pop up uh, just about every other day for a link to the contest. It is for a High Dive gift card. It's a new anime streaming site. Uh, I'm a big fan of it, much more than Crunchyroll. I just like how they do business more. I like the player. Uh, So enter that for a chance to win. It's very easy. You get multiple entries, and if you leave an iTunes review for the Red Leaf Retrocast, you get a special entry. I won't tell you what that is. <laughs> it's a surprise. Does it have to be a good review? Can I just can I enter and just go fuck JD? Uh, reviews a review. Yes, I'm doing it. I would prefer not the fuck you review, but <laughs> you can't tell me how to live. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't do that at all. Actually, wouldn't that turn somebody around by bribing them? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> With yeah. politics these days, maybe bribing's not the best way to go about it these days. Fair. <laughs> Fine. We'll play it your way. Uh, no, it's just more interaction with the audience. Uh, you know, the the first entry is just suggest an anime for us to review on the anime cast. That's it. 
That's how you enter. And then there's other ways to enter, such as following us on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. It, it's all Did you do Dragon Ball clean. Z yet? <laughs> we haven't done Dragon Ball Z yet. What the hell? Well, go on Gleam.io and suggest it. I'm gonna now, because that's the only one I know. <laughs> We'd probably do Dragon Ball first before Z, to be honest. That's fair. We'd probably be- do that one in like the there first 25 a... episodes. There's a semi-rare yeah. Wii game I want to play of that. It's like Dragon Ball Adventures or something. I don't know. It's like a 2D platformer. Oh, I weird. Get... I gotta get that. I forgot it existed. Oh, that's actually sounds pretty cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool. It's interesting. Very different than just the 2D fighter or the 3D fighter in um what was that? What was that Dragon Ball called? Uh 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 Tenkaichi. Uh. Well, that one exists, yeah. I was thinking of more the the more recent one. There's two of them. Oh, literally called Dragon Ball Fighters. <laughs> F- uh no, that's the 2D. That's 2D. This is a 3D oh, fighter in the arena Ra- you can Raging Blast. You can customize oh, your own Xeno- Dragon Ball Xenoverse. Z character. Xenoverse, yes, thank you. Jeez. Yeah. That was slipping my mind. Well, how you doing, Kevin? What games you been playing? Uh, so you were on my ass for a while to play Dead Cells. I was. I am. And in (laughs) December, uh, my brother got me a PSN card for Christmas, and I bought it along with Celeste and other indie games of that year that I did not play yet. So I finally said, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play Dead Cells, and it's really good, um, but my big problem with it is that I have no idea what area I'm supposed to go to at what time. I, I, I... I cannot tell, like in Rogue Legacy, it was kind of vague, but eventually you found clues. This one, uh-huh. I have no idea if I'm supposed to go to like the Promenade of the Dead or the Toxic Sewers first, and I just kind of pick one, and I just kind of go and see where I end up. Um, it's pretty good, though. I, I will say the combat's very, really, really good. I kind of found the, the set of skills I do every time to get the farthest. Um, that being said, I also had the, one of the, rucky, the, the luckiest runs of my life. When I was super not ready to fight the boss, and I got there, and I died. But I was like, man, that's really demotivating, because I got all the way here. Well, like, oh, I, yeah. I definitely didn't. Yeah, yeah. I was not ready to fight the, the king's hand or whatever. Yep. So, I got yep. there, though, way too early. And if I beat the game at that point, I'd been like, I'm, I'm a god. That's it. <laughs> I'm a god. I'm a video yeah. game god. <laughs> all right, JBL, calm down. So, uh, you're, you're, you're happy you're playing it. Or you did yeah, play it. You've, you're good. I'm still playing you're it. Good? I'm gonna. Yeah. It's gonna be like my back burner game along with the other game I'm playing, Final Fantasy VI. Which oh my god, people, you're playing a bunch of winners right now, man. I am, and I thought it was gonna be a little more not linear. That's the word. Like one story as opposed to like four different stories going on at once. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of confusing to follow that. Um, but I did make one mistake where I. I was going through something. I named all the characters the way I wanted to. Then I died. And then I, so I had to reload it, rename the characters. And I accidentally named two of them the same name. So that's confusing. <laughs> uh, so I have to remember which Mac is which. And I'm like, uh, shit. Meet Mac and yeah. Big Mac. No, <laughs> I, I wish I could do that. But like one was supposed to be named Joey and one's Mac. So I'm like, uh, the one that's a king is Mac. Fuck, I guess. I don't know. And then... <laughs> But the other thing that sucks is when I'm reading a guide, I'm like, who was Locke again? Shit. Oh, uh, no. So I should have just left Yeah, I, I got so used to just not changing the names just because yeah. of things like that. Yeah. But like in, I might change in the newer one Final character Fantasies. Name. Yeah, in, the, in like 10, I knew everyone was Titus and whatever, so I was used to that. Mm. 
So I never change those if they have like a set story, but I didn't know any better. So, you know what? That's a good. That's a good segue into what you think of all these Switch ports coming out specifically next month in April. I've lost count of how many there were, so I know that, Turok. There's a came lot. Out. There's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot. Who wanted Turok to come out? Let's start with that. I, I mean, it, it has a it has a good following. The, the sure, first but, two, anyways. We pl- yeah, we even like, played one of them on the podcast, and we were, we're all just like, "Yeah, it was good. It was really long." <laughs> it was really long, but that wasn't a game. I was like, "That needs to come back right now." <laughs> but like, I remember on the N sixty four, you had to move with the C buttons, and that's not natural. So I don't know how the Switch one works. I hope it's left analog <sighs> stick like a normal person. And not it has to. Use it. it has to. I would hope they're not using face buttons to walk. I would shoot somebody. Like that would be an, that would be a Nintendo ass move. I know it's not their game, but I'd be like, "Come on, guys!" So there's that. Uh, what else got ported recently? Oh man, Final Fantasy X and X two. That was expected. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. But every oh, everything oh. everything's coming out within the same like thirty thirty five day span, which is I, quite it. Yeah. I wonder if Nintendo had a say in... I'm sure they did. Uh, had a say in saying that these... Because these aren't Nintendo games, you're all going to come out in this window so we can focus on our games in the other months. Honestly, across probably. the year. I think that's my need, theory behind it. It needs this. It needs those games because the eShop is fucking garbage. So yeah. Need, yeah, the more... The more the more I dive into it, the more I uh, try to search for a game. It's just such a pain in the ass. There's yeah. no there's no rhyme or reason or catalog to it all. It's just, here's a bunch of games. Good luck. You have to, here's Mahjong 7. Yeah, you have to do a, a Google search and then figure out, okay, I want that one in the eShop. So going through a third, a third thing just to go through. Uh, yeah. like you take PSN or Xbox, uh, the Xbox store. Like, it's so easy to find games on there, uh, you know, tabs, uh, genres, eShop has none of that. It's There's no discovery, and like, to find the games I want, I have to literally run through, like, Mahjong 7, here's a jigsaw puzzle virtual, it's like, why would I want this on there? But, like, they can boast the number of games they have, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's I not yeah. great. But you, you pretty much have to pay attention kind of a week to week. To make sure you don't miss anything or something catches your eye. Like uh, last year, a good example is last year when the Messenger came out. Totally missed it, right? Right. Just didn't even know that it was on the eShop. And you'll never know unless it's unless you go to bestsellers and it just happens to be in that bestseller thing. But those are always the Nintendo games that are there. Right. And, and they're never on sale, so I never have any motivation to buy them either. So that's my yeah. the cheap ass. Yeah, it's kind of eh. yeah. It bugs me. Um, nevertheless, uh, there's a few YouTube channels that I that I follow that kind of covers like what games are coming out next month, um, on, whether it's PSN or or the eShop or what have you. And then I just kind of write down the uh, the lesser known titles that catch my eye and ear. And I pay attention to those. Yeah. Like um, Baba is you came out this month in March. 
So, have you you heard of this? No. Okay. The other thing I pay attention to is Metacritic, just when something comes out. And usually when an indie game comes out and it's good, it'll get good reviews and it'll pop up on Metacritic. So, Baba Baba is You was talked about on a couple YouTube channels. And then it popped up on Metacritic with like an 87 score. And I'm like, okay, you have my attention. (laughs) Right. Mark that down. And then I uh, I use my little Amazon Alexa over here to make a reminder. Hey, it comes out this day. Get it? How much is it? If it was a if it was a good price, it was fifteen bucks. I'm like, I can do that. So it's um, it's interesting. It, it it's uh, remember when we played Adventures of Lolo on the cast? I do. Okay, it's uh, it's got that aesthetic to it where you're a singular character, top down view solving a puzzle on a map that's one screen, right? Mm-hmm. The puzzles in this game are with words on the screen, text. So, uh, for example, you have text Baba, B-A-B-A, right? Then another text that says is, I-S. Another text next to it says you, Y-O-U, right? Now, if you move... You can move with your character the, those texts, and uh, because it says Baba is you, right? As soon as you move it, you would no longer be Baba because the text isn't together. So it's like the rule of the ma- of the board. However, if the, okay, so if you move another text that says uh, "Wall is stop," if you move the wall away from "Wall is stop," so it no longer spells that out. Then you can go through the walls. You can go through the walls at that point. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're changing the rules of the board via moving the text around. Yeah, that's that's confusing. I feel like if I played it, I'd I'd get it more. It, it took it took a couple runs uh, of levels for me to truly understand like how this how this functioned. Because it's just so, it's so interesting that just simple text can change how you play a board, right? Right. Because you can say that I move that text that says wall over to the Baba is you sentence, and mm-hmm. I push it, instead, I push it uh, changing uh, from Baba is you to wall is you, you, your character now is the wall, so you're moving the walls around. okay that's yeah weird but yeah it's pretty it's pretty wild and there's always uh there's always a text that says uh something is goal or something is win and that's how you beat the beat that particular board it's it's a really interesting and just very chill game and then you're there there's been a couple where i just kind of stare and i go how do i how do i make this function (laughs) that's just that sounds confusing. I just got to see it be played, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, I do recommend it. It's very simple. Um, it's definitely a... Uh, it's definitely getting kind of the scores it deserves. Because yeah. uh, at the end of the day, it is a small little indie title. Uh, I can't w- I can't wait to talk about it more on the Modern Game Cast, so definitely go check that out in probably a week or so. It'll be out over Games from March. Speaking of modern slash retro games, there was another game I played that you were on my ass about. Uh, that Bloodstained little thing. Yeah, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Yeah. So that was 
fine. I don't. I, it was it was pretty good, I should say. But I I started playing on a veteran, and it wasn't like too hard or anything. But I was like, well, the life system in games I think is kind of dumb. So I put mm-hmm. it on casual because I was just like, well, whatever. But the thing that's dumb is like, if it's on casual, it still wants you to kill off the four characters before you get them back. I was like, well, this seems kind of pointless now. So I feel like they could have fixed that. Kill them off? So, like, if you're playing on casual, you have unlimited lives overall, right? Uh, Per stage, sort of, yeah. You still lose a character. Right, you lose a character. But I'm like, well, if there's no real, like, game over purpose, I still have to kill the first character, second, third, fourth, before it's like, all right, I have them all again. I should just got them all back. I don't know. It seems kind of like an extra step for me. So, I don't know. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, the the difference between the casual and veteran was simply the ca- the old Castle- Castlevania type rules, where if you die three times, then you start the whole level over, as opposed to you just start from that point again until you run out of characters that you're using, right. which I think is hand in hand pretty fair. It was fair, and then you don't do the knockback, which is like the worst part of Castlevania. So I was like, all right, take that off. That was the best part of casual. I play. I played it. Yeah. I played on both modes, and I go, and I was thinking to myself, you know, casual is not that much harder. It just doesn't have the, the the whole back hit or knockback, yeah. as you said. Um, so it took it took which, away the worst parts of Castlevania. So I was like, it took right. away the worst part of those old NES games. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I wasn't feeling it, so I'm like, ah, this level knockback? I don't think so. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a fun game. It, it only took me, like, an hour to beat, though, so. That was kind of disappointing. Um, I kind of wanted it to last longer. I, I mean, Maybe I got a good hours. four hours out of a $10 game. That's not bad at all. Yeah. No, you know, it an was, hour, Yeah, hour, uh, hour and a half on casual, three hours on veteran. Yeah, so it was neat. I kind of... I. I upset i spent 20 dollars i think on it or something i was like oh that 20 sucks well how much it must have been 20 it was i bought the switch version by mistake so it could have been 20 no it's 10 bucks is it 10 maybe it's 10 yeah. i don't know it's 10 bucks Might have been 10. <laughs> either way i actually dead cells was, was probably upset. 20 yeah dead cells no yeah. dead cells was yeah 20 you're right uh-huh uh-huh i know these Whatever. things <laughs> <Math>. <laughs> Uh, I got Devil May Cry 5 and Sekiro also this month, so I've been diving into those two in my free time. Japan Souls. And not that I have seemingly infinite amount of free time anymore. I just started my new stable job, so I gotta allocate time accordingly, kind of readjust everything, you know? Right. Yeah, you know, normal life type stuff. <laughs> yeah. Been there, living it, hating it, kill me. I mean, it's it's fine. I just, you know, if I'm watching a wrestling show, sometimes if I, like, I can't watch just one thing dedicated to three hours, I find myself now dual screening, uh, particularly ma- getting it to match up with matches I don't care about kind of deal. Or, the, okay, this is uninteresting, you know, just ignore that, put on another match. Um, listening to a podcast, playing a game at the same time. It's kind of multitasking, really, but... Just allocating time is fine. Happens. Oh, that's it's gonna, gonna be a long it, card. If that if that shit is gonna be eight plus hours, like the rumors are saying, that is gonna be a fucking four day watch. I'm not yeah. watching that 
in one sitting. There's no I way. I probably, I probably, even like I'll watch it, I'll start watching it the next day. And if there's this many matches, I'll probably just be like, no, I'm good. Like, just tell me what happened. Wanna, well, I'm I definitely watch not Becky. watching it. I'm definitely not watching it day of. <laughs> right. What I'm going to do is wait for it to come out on like a pirate site or something. <laughs> and then, because you know there's just going to be constant advertisements and, you know, whatevers, skip through all that. Right? That'll save you like an hour right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, not, I'm not watching the, the Battle Royale. I don't give a shit. I really care about two matches. Actually, three. I care about three matches. Right now. <clears throat> All right. Well, that's that's going to be saved for the wrestling cast. Uh, yeah. Being recorded later. Um, but yeah, Devil May Cry Five. Uh, we were on record being real worried about the rumors of microtransactions being in the game, and yeah, they're in the game, but they're just kind of shoehorned in. They don't really mean anything. Uh, it does have that pay-to-win model of getting your blood orbs right, and then you can just get upgrades and stuff accordingly but nothing's like locked out behind the microtransactions which is which was our main concern yeah. uh right. the game is fucking fantastic i love it it's I was uh it's it was good yeah yeah i i didn't buy it day one i was very scared of it i was very very hesitant um especially when the reviews came out after it was released because there's always that there's there's been that kind of rule where if a game has reviews coming out days before its release, it's usually a good sign, right? <laughs> Normally. It's usually like this company has confidence in its product. <laughs> well, Devil May, Devil May Cry 5, if I was to describe this game in one word, it's style. Yeah, that's how they it, all are, right now. Well, this one kind of ramps it up to an 11 kind of situation. Uh, you get certain upgrades. Uh, I won't spoil like what happens exactly, but there's some dancing involved. Um, I saw that. I saw the GIF, and I was like, <laughs> "All right, okay." You have this my game's attention. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can fight with a with with a uh, like a motorcycle cut in half. Um, it, it's it's just real goofy. They ramped it up the new the new character is uh is very nice. Um, yeah, it's great. I I love it. It's it's uh. It's it's back to form. It reminds me of why I liked one and three so much, and not two and four so much. <laughs> I have to play two. No, you don't. That's the worst. But I want to know either. what happens. Nothing happens. <laughs> oh, all right then. Devil May Cry Five also has a uh, like a recap section of all the other games. Okay. So you can just go through that and learn learn the lore and universe and story up to date. You don't even have to play the other ones, which is very nice as well. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll just look up the the synopsis of the two and be like, got it. Yeah. And then Sekiro uh, just came in Friday. Just came out. Are you, you're you're not the uh, the from software fan. I know. I will have zero play of that. <laughs> ah, so. <clears throat> you will be it's probably a little bit on the the too hard side for you that's not why i hate those games first off why do you hate them then i hate they're, they're badly designed i don't like the menu that i can accidentally open walk around but i can't attack because the menu's like up in the corner in the screen i'm like oh the menu's open but i can walk around like an idiot 
I fucking hate having to talk to characters five times before they go, oh, here's the information you needed. Like, I think that's bad game design. And I don't think people just going, get good, legitimizes it. That's not the fucking point. <laughs> that, that doesn't make the game better just because you want to massive, like, say, I got a big dick. I've played harder games. It's just, I think Dark Souls is badly designed. What about Bloodborne? Like I've never played it. And I don't, I have no motivation to give it a try. Okay. Like, well, I like Sekiro. You like Demon Souls? Uh, Demon Souls was fine. I liked the hub world. They had a straight point. Dark Souls is just fuck it. Go ring these bells. I don't fucking know. Whatever. <laughs> I do remember that one. Um, yeah. Well, I I am proud to say, even for people like you that aren't fans of of uh, the Souls games, uh, Sekiro is nothing like that. Um, it it has the aesthetic and feel to, you know, a From Software game, right? Right. Like all their games are. Uh, the implementation of the grappling hook and using tools is what separates it. If anything, I compare this game to Tenchu. Remember Tenchu, which we played for the I cast do. not too long ago? Mm-hmm. It's a lot like that, where there's a little bit of stealth element to kind of scope out the map, and then you pick people off one by one, leaving like the strongest enemy for last... And then you take him on 1v1. And each one kind of functions as a boss battle. And then you get the real big boss battle later. Uh, It doesn't have the same death system as Bloodborne and Souls. And in a way, it's way better and easier. You... The death system punishes your Uh uh, skill tree experience. There you are. So you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah, you cut out for a second. I must have okay. lost the internet or something. But all right. So Sekiro, Sekiro uh, plays a lot faster. <clears throat> um, you can't play it the same as a Bloodborne or Dark Souls. It's a, it's it's just a different game with the aesthetic of the From Software games. Yes, it's hard, and it takes it takes practice. And there's nothing wrong with practice. You just can't play it the same way, and I think that's where a lot of people are saying this game is much harder, because everyone's so used to playing a game from these people one way, right? You just can't be in that mindset. Yeah, that's something I had to learn the hard way. There, There's the... Kevin, you're going to love this. There's an ogre that you come across like in the first couple hours, right? Tell me what he says, please. Well, he just kind of grunts and yells, but he's like Andre the Giant on crack. I thought you were going to say, what are you doing in my swamp? <laughs> no, he's uh, he's at the top of this hill, and he busts out of his, his chains and, and um, his wooden restraints, and he uh, he kind of charges at you, and he grabs you, and he'll either chokeslam you or powerbomb you. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. So when you, when I when I died the first like three times on him, I I'm just like um, I feel like I'm in a wrestling match and I just can't beat Andre the Giant. <laughs> I mean it's fair. Can you body slam him? Can I body slam him? No, just your character. I meant. Uh, well, he has a body slam. He has a running drop kick attack as well. This ogre. Ah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty fantastic. So right. uh, a lot of the a lot of the grunt enemies are kind of the same, but each individual kind of of each map is different, which 
keeps the game fresh. So I'm loving it. It's just really hard. I need I just need to practice and get better at it and learn different skills. So it's really fun. I recommend it. I'll watch yeah. somebody play it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious too. Even after you like watch some videos, Kevin, what what you think of the game exactly? Um, even if it's not for you, I'd I'd be curious about your thoughts over how the game plays. I'll give it a look, but honestly, I think since Demon Souls, from Software has just made the same game, like over and over. Mm. But that's me. The uh, the aesthetic and loop is the same. I don't deny that. Uh, but that's like Ubisoft. Think Ubisoft. Their their little open sandbox tower thing across different games. Yes, it's the same loop and formula, but they kind of manipulate it in different ways for different games. Difference being, I like those. That's the only difference. I'm, it's not wrong. It's just I find something satisfying about those, whereas with the souls and... I'm just like, okay, yep. It's hard. I get it. How do you feel about Demon Souls being remastered? Sure, I guess. <laughs> Honestly, no no opinion. <laughs> it's become a it's becoming a pretty rare game on the PS3. I'm glad I got it when I did. I have it. I should just sell it off, honestly. I'm not going to play it again. Aw, keep it for uh, keep it for value. I'm I'm liking I, from maybe. software between between them Ninja Ninja Theory. Yes, I'll say Ubisoft. Uh, there's something about their formula I just enjoy. I just wish this live live service and microtransaction thing would deplete, or at least get less so. Yeah. In uh, Capcom's gaining points with me in a hurry. Uh, you know, after their their fighting games, I still won't touch them. Street Fighter Five, Street Fighter. I'll never get another game again of Street Fighter. Yeah, uh, but I, I bought with, it and I regret things. Yeah, uh, but with uh, Monster Hunter World last year, Resident Evil 2 remake in January, and now Devil May Cry 5, I think, Cap, Mega Man 11, Capcom's in my good graces again. They're, they're getting it's, there. They're coming it, back around. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, Ubi, Ubisoft, <sighs> Ubisoft's on thin ice, unfortunately. Ubisoft, they're so, fine. You hate, mm. hate, hate on my French Canadians. I'm trying to think what Ubisoft game. What was the last Ubisoft game I truly enjoyed? And I want to say it was Origins. And even then, I had, I had my reservations about it. Whack. Hmm. Whack. Anyways, let's move on to our uh, our topic, shall we? Unless you got something else that you want to uh, you want to bring up. Uh, no, other thing, I started playing Infamous again, because the girlfriend wanted to play it. Oh, we, I dropped, I think we dropped We Happy Feel, but I'm done. <laughs> like, How far did you get? Just, I don't even know, because, like, it, it's just so much shit to, they, they just over-designed that game to such a flaw, and I'm, I don't even know how to describe it. It started out, like, the first, like, hour of that game is fucking great, and you're sucked in, and it just becomes, like, uh, don't forget to take your joy, but if you take too much joy, you go through withdrawal, and if you get withdrawal, everyone knows you're sick, and then they beat the shit out of you, but you gotta make sure you're wearing the right clothes, because otherwise it doesn't matter if you take your joy. <laughs> yeah, So I then I'm like, fuck, dude, like, it just doesn't end. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's that a bad, it's a bad just loop. A, it's just a bad, bad everything. It should have been a linear story. It should have been a yeah. linear story. So, yeah. I, we, we switched over to Infamous, and I'm letting her make moral choices, but other than that, that's it. 
So. Neat. I like Infamous. I like that series. I think it's yeah. my one of my I think it's my best friend's like first or second favorite series. He loves them. Anyways. All right, where are we at here? Cool. All right. I'm going to play this thing and we can move on. This thing. Hey, dude, you into anime, manga, and all that radical stuff? Oh, yeah, man. It's tubular. Then you should totally check out the... This transmission has been hacked. If you want discussions, debate, reviews, and all in between, you must listen to the Anime Radicals Network at www.animeradicals.com. There's timely reviews, revolutions, mecha, and much more. Find it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all podcast catchers. The Anime Radicals Network. The revolution will be simulcast. Hey. hey! Hey, Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How you doing? Uh, you know, in, in, in stuff. Ready to talk about in television? No. <laughs> so before we talk about the in television, you have been very adamant about hating at least the games we played. Bef- not spoiling the games we played, but what what was it about your experience with the in television here that you just didn't enjoy? So it's not exclusive to the Intellivision. I feel the same way about Atari and ColecoVision. I just, anything pre-NES, I just, if I grew up in this time, I would not be into video games. Because there's, it's just not enough for me. There, It's literally dots vaguely doing something on a screen. And I just, I'm just like, what the fuck is this? And like, it, it's not clear what to do. I don't, sometimes you got to press other buttons to get the game started that don't make sense. It's just we'll, I don't. We'll definitely get into all that. <clears throat> yeah, so just, I I can't do it. <laughs> so what was the intel? It's it's all fair points, and we'll we'll get into it. Uh, mm-hmm. You kind of got to take a step back and realize the era when you yeah. look at the Atari, the Coleco, the Intellivision, even the Commodore sixty four. Those four things of the early eighties were were very. Uh, it was a new thing, right? Right. So here we go. What was the Intellivision? Well, the Intellivision was marketed as intelligent television. That would be both educational as it would be entertaining. And uh, quickly, <laughs> it was realized that the entertainment part was the more marketable and profitable part. So they uh, kind Absolutely. of they kind of quickly dropped the educational because that's what the the. the Intellivision had uh, two main peripherals. It was the Intellivoice, which is a voice modulator, so you can put voice into some games. There was only about five that used it. There was, and then there was a keyboard module, function like a computer keyboard, and that would be for the more educational games, right? Um, right. Particularly, it would teach computer programming, which is an interesting thought for the early '80s, considering. Uh, Intelli- Intellivision was owned and operated by Mattel Electronics. Remember those guys? Uh, they're still around. Yeah. The yeah. the, uh, the the toy company, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're... So, <clears throat> the Intellivision was one of two main competitors to specifically the Atari 2600, which came out in the late 70s. 
So, uh, released in 1980, had a nice little wood structure because, of course it did. That was the time. Everything had to have that wood graining, right? Wood fucking everything. The wood paneling on cars, the wood paneling on your walls. <laughs> we should get home. it back. We should bring back the wood paneling. Everything. Everything. So, uh, yeah, Mattel Electronics uh, came out with the Intellivision in order to compete with the with the market because it was a booming market at the time. Thanks to Atari, specifically, I would say. Uh, it sold 3 million units in its first three years and made games all the way up from 1980 to 1990. So that's a long, that's, you know, that's your standard 10-year lifespan, if if not more, more so, right? That's a long time, considering the and NES and the Genesis came out at that tail end, right? I didn't realize it went on for so long. I thought it was only a couple years span. Not, well, I mean, its first three years were its, were its main years, right? Yeah. Uh, then you had the, the, the video game crash in 82, right? And 83 was, was you know, the crux of the, of the video game crash. Right. <clears throat> so, 3 million units. And how many units did the Wii U sell in its first three years? 500,000, maybe? It's, it's probably more than that. I, I would assume it's like... I would say it's like 2 million. Because uh, it only first, topped out at 12. First three years. Yeah, it only topped out at 12. So... Uh, I'm very curious about it. I'm going to say three. Um, let's see here. The Wii sold seven million... Uh, end of 2000. So the Wii sold seven million in its first year, and the Wii U sold 460,000. So we're kind of on pace for that three million as well. So the Wii U, considering, didn't sell well... While the Intellivision sold extremely well to a much smaller market, right? Right. So it's pretty it's pretty incredible. That's that's how successful the Intellivision was at the time. That kind of comparison just popped into my head. That's why I had to look it up. Uh, and I don't. So, I'm trying to see if you have it on here, but the uh, the other marketing point that it was like supposed to be the more mature system compared to the Atari, like it was going for an older market with like a bunch of sports games. Well, you, it you had, had a deal specifically with Activision. And Activision had the license for, like, NFL, MLB, those things. Yes. So that's true. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. So the, what makes the Intellivision very interesting was uh, there would be a couple things that the Intellivision would do. Uh, the programmers of the games would either blatantly copy other popular games, specifically from Atari... Uh, that were already released and successful. So you'd see a lot of, like, Pac-Man knockoffs, um, uh, Asteroids, you know, all those games, right? Or they would go with their gut feelings, as a few programmers would speak out, um, for what would make a good game. So they'd have a writer, they would have a programmer, and then they'd have a designer on, on a lot of these games, right? Uh, but there was no industry sta standard on how to make games. And what made Intellivision different was Mattel wanted into this market so bad and their system sold well so fast that they basically had to hire a bunch of 20-year-olds fresh out of college with, pro with computer programming degrees and they would, they would just work for Mattel, right? Because 
when uh, Mattel first came out with the Intellivision, there was like five dudes in 79. And at its mm-hmm. launch, five dudes made all the Intellivision games. It's like for six months. <laughs> and then they just go, we got to hire people. <laughs> How else are we going to clone Pac-Man? Yeah, so in <clears throat> that that was that was very interesting to read, and uh, uh, there was a little intelli- There's a little uh, video game crash book that I have, and I was kind of flipping through it, and a lot of the programmers for Intellivision, those twenty year olds, said they had to bra- basically live, breathe, and work at Mattel in a cramped office building, and they said it was just like living in the dorms of their old college. So because they would all just they would they would party hard at night and then work their ass off during the day, so they would live, breathe, and work Mattel. To be fair, they could have easily not partied all night, so that's on them. <laughs> like they but could have gone twenty years left. Colin, Eric, Colin, Kevin, I said you're How wrong. How dare you? <laughs> uh, there, think of this. This is this is the late seventies, early eighties time frame. You can't not party. Right? That's not a thing. You can't do. (laughs) Maybe if they had better video games, burn! Hmm. So, in in 1984, the the, the no industry standard is definitely a point we're going to be hitting a lot today. Uh, in 1984, the video game market was in just full crash mode, right? it's, Mm -hmm. It's fucked, right, at this point. Mattel Electronics was in deep losses i mean we're talking they had all these hirings hiring all these 20 year olds uh they went from five to like over 1800 people at its peak in like 82 uh with three divisions which we'll get into here in a second uh so the losses got so bad um that former vice president guy named valesi uh got some other investors and he himself bought the intellivision rights you know, just for him. And that's when the name changed to INTV Corporation, you know, pl- just to play on in television itself. So it kind of dropped the whole Mattel part of it and made in television by itself. Right. You know, I, I so remember think, that in the, uh, the video game years, they went over a whole bunch of that. Good series to check out, by the way, people. Who is, who is, who? Right. You ever heard of RetroWare TV back no. in the day? Great documentary series. You can learn a lot about Intellivision around that time. Anyway. Oh, cool. Anyways. So there would be three console versions of the Intellivision came out with a fourth being um, developed, but it, it was never released. So you had your standard wood paneling first one. Right. You had your Model 2, which would have the optional system changer module, which is, this is cool. You have this system changer module so you could play Atari 2600 games and use their controllers. <laughs> I thought that was only a ColecoVision thing. No, you can get the Model 2 in television and do that. Oh, see, that's more famous on the ColecoVision. Yeah, well, the Model 2 in television uh, wasn't all that great because it dropped the wood paneling and the bubble buttons on the controller. Well, what the fuck? I came here for wood paneling. <laughs> well, it, it so, you know, it's a little bronze wood paneling structure and it's little uh, moving disc on the controller, we'll get into the controller in a second. Uh, that controller. We had the bubble button, so you know, as difficult as it was to try and figure out this this controller, you could at least get a feel for how a game would work. Well, the Model Two controller 
had a uh, like a plain um, a plain overlay of its buttons, so it, the bubble you couldn't feel for the bubbles anymore. So think mm-hmm. of the best way I can describe it is playing a game on your cell phone with with oh. a uh, button overlay. Kill me. Right, it, it it didn't work so well, and that's why the Model Two wasn't received um, as as good. But a lot of people got it because they could play Atari games if they got the module, the cha- the system changer. <laughs> so it's, it's weird that they always went with the phone pad when it came to Coleco and television, and they they're thinking why they did that was interesting, but also stupid. They they decided that people know how phones work. And they know that layout, so they'll easily translate to playing yeah. this. Well, there was two. There was two reasons. People know how phones work, and people know their TV controller. That yes, that's right. That was the other one. Yeah, that's the other thing. Man, so, did not work. Uh, Mattel, and and for the people that didn't, and and Mattel knew this, uh, that they didn't like the new controller for the Model mm-hmm. Two, so they they offered uh, for people to send in their Model One in televisions. And they would, uh, you, you would pay like an extra X amount of dollars, and they would they would mod your console so it could get the system changer module installed into it. That seems like a weird legal loophole, but okay. Well, I mean, no, times were different. Legal, I guess. I guess like so, trying to get away. With it. So th- think of. I was thinking about this. Think of like the new PS4 Slim model, right? Okay. Okay, say that you want uh, this new chip, this new GPU system, or uh, you want your your hard your hard drive upgraded, right? And PlayStation offered you uh, uh, you could send instead of buying the slim, you could send in your PlayStation yourself. So instead of paying for a whole new console, you just send in your PlayStation to them. They just change out the parts for you and send it back to you for a nominal fee. Fuck! How many people would actually do that? I'm, I'd be very curious. I'm gonna tell you probably not a lot. And there's actually a pretty not equivalent, but a modern scenario that was like that. So, do you remember when Skyward Sword came out? Sure. There was a, a game breaking glitch in Skyward Sword that had something to do with the Wii system that I can't exactly. I, I remember that's like one of the few, yeah. um, de- yeah, downloadable patches that the Wii had. Well, before they figured out how to make that work, because Nintendo, you actually had to send your Wii in, and they would do something to it to make it where Skyward Sword wouldn't brick your Wii. And I guarantee you, not a lot of people did that. I would say it's definitely under a million. Hmm. Because you'd have to know, know that. I don't know if that's it. the same thing, because that's for one no, game, as opposed to giving yeah, the option it to play more games. But if you didn't know about it from a magazine, you're not going to do that, you know? And if you tell your parents, we've got to ship our intelligence, they'll be like, fuck you. It's like 20 bucks to ship that, kid. <laughs> I, so. I, 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 looked, I, looked, uh, I looked in some Intellivision like, history guys, and I couldn't find any, any stats on how many people actually sent their Model 2 in uh, to get yeah. that, or their, their Model 1 in to get the, uh, get the, the module uh, installation. Um, I think I would have done that, honestly. If I, if I was such a fan you, of the design of the first one and not wanted the Model 2, I would I would do that cuz Atari games were top, you know, that those were the top of the line stuff, right? Those were the ones selling. Those were the, the good games. Uh, then there was Model 3 which was up which had your upgraded higher resolution system. 
It would also play the originals and the new higher res games. So think your Xbox One X to your Xbox One. <laughs> right. So this has been going on for a long time. <laughs> new 3DS, if you will. Yeah. Oh, wait, PS4 no. Pro to PS4. Same thing. Even All back then in the early 80s. <laughs> uh so, however, in late 82 into 83, a few things happened to Mattel. Uh, they had their massive expansion. You know, they hired their thousand, you know, their thousands employees, right? Uh, they had an extremely aggressive expansion. So, there was a number of things happened here. They opened an expansion in Taiwan, right? Which was right. pretty much dedicated to the Asian market and developing games for the Apple II computer. Right? So, developing Mattel games. So, getting... Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, They also opened a division in France for the European market. And dedicated to making games on Coleco. <laughs> Weird. And then the startup of what they called the M Network. So, Mattel Network. Which was a group dedicated to making Mattel games on Atari, Coleco, and PC. So the M Network uh, had their had their uh, devs in Taiwan and France. So that was all called the M Network, right? Right. Last to mention was the ECS, the Entertainment Computer System. Uh, this was this was your um, system to help developers develop games for the Apple II, the IBM computers, in an effort to capitalize on the PC gaming market. Uh, however, RAM prices dropped drastically, and even the Commodore 64 dropped its price to compete in the market, and this was this is that's what created the quote-unquote flood of games, right? Right. Just too much, too quick kind of situation. Uh, and then games being uh, pumped out without any quality control. Uh, and Mattel, as you can see, with one, two, three, four groups just developing games with a bunch of 20-year-olds, you can kind of assume they're not going to be too... They're not going to be up to up to snuff, you might say. <laughs> Would you say that it's the, mod- or the past equivalent of the eShop now? Boom, fire! I said it. Oh. Quantity over quality. They're just pumping shit out. Kind of like shovelware on the Wii, in a way, as yes. well. There's another way. Yeah. You could you could make the comparison, absolutely. Hmm. You're just trying to get this this demand market and just getting whatever you can't can out in time as quick. Uh the steam flooding of games is another good example. The the whole green light project. Good idea. Bad execution. Which has now led to um, the Epic Game Store becoming a sought-after idea and thing for developers. You know? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's talk about the problems. Uh, there's two that came that comes up constantly with the Intellivision. A. The games are really tough to understand without an instruction manual. <laughs> yes. To be fair, they probably came with a very detailed manual back then, so people... They did. Probably read them. They did. And you can look these up online, and I highly recommend it. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. It's 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 very needed, for sure. And uh B is the controller itself. 
It's a nu- it's a number pad, zero to nine, a clear mm-hmm. button, an enter mu- enter button, and then a uh, there's four buttons on the sides that kind of function as well. Um, and that's another thing about the model too. Instead of having the <coughs> kind of rubber sides, you had uh, they they turned them into plastic, so they weren't comfortable to hold anymore. And uh, welcome to everyone in the chat, especially I'm Nairs over on Mixer. Thank you. For coming. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. Uh, so the most notable strange button is the spinning disc button on the bottom of the controller. That's probably the most notable thing about the Intellivision controller itself. Uh, and then most games came with this neat-looking overlay artwork. That would that you'd put over the top of the number pad on the controller, and that would help understand kind of what game you were playing and what the buttons what buttons do what. So, <laughs> what do you think of the overlay option? I mean, I, I mean, I like when it existed or when I played. Uh, either or. How about both? Well, because I didn't, I I emulated these, so spoiler. Um, okay. Honestly, the overlay, that's really the only way to know how to play. And it's not really intuitive because you would have to constantly keep looking down to see if you're even hitting the right button. At first, and absolutely. Lot, every time. Yeah, it, it was not easy. And there was no real, from I remember from working in a game store, we used to, te- when we tested everything, there's no real universal like layout for games. Like when you play a shooter, generally, you know, the triggers are going to be your fire generally like circles your crouch you know they kind of are vaguely the same but when it came to like in television it was just all bets are off man like whatever works you're gonna find the button eventually i guess make it happen and there there were just too many buttons for such simple games it's no wonder like i just i couldn't click with it i'm a simple man yeah and and that's what separated atari from a television was atari was Easy to understand for anybody and everybody, right? With Intellivision, right. they were it almost felt like they were trying to do too much all the time. And with so many right. different developers for seemingly every game out there, like a, a different guy would make a different game, he would have his own layout, right? That's why those right. overlays were so necessary. Now, the added artwork I thought was was quite neat. I think that was nice. That That's kind of your little... Um, uh, artwork designer, he he had a lot to do with that, <clears throat> with games. Yeah. So it, it, that was pretty cool. I found that I found two things um, that was interesting. Uh, System was known for the games getting jammed often in the cartridge slot. Yeah. It so that, that. Yeah, that was attributed to a lot of uh, you know whether <laughs> whether it was molding. Uh, that came across as defective, or they would use um, a number of different molds. So whatever, wherever the particular Intellivision game was made, it wouldn't have the same mold as, say, a different game, right? So that's why they would get jammed a lot of the time. You kind of had to snug it in every time. It wasn't just that, yeah. like your NES, where you just go, right? We actually took a, um, we took like a Dremel, and we actually widened Intellivision ports by request at the store. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it worked. Yeah, just fine. Just a little yeah. <laughs> out of there. Perfect. Uh, I found that most games, however, used the 2 and 8 button. You know, the top and, and 
basically bottom one, not the zero. That would have been too easy, right? It was always the two and eight. That would make too much sense. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? And then the side buttons. So, I like the idea of the side button, because they both did the same thing, right? Depending on the game. But it was for mm-hmm. left-handed people and right-handed people. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a right-handed person's going to hold it. You know, think of you holding your mug, right? The handle's on the right-hand side if you're right-handed. Right? Yes. You're not... If there was a handle on the other side... Excuse me? Uh Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Even if you had a handle... Even if you had a handle on the other side, you're not going to use it. Mm -hmm. So in in concept, it... It's it, it might look a little funky, but it works just the same. Uh, and then here's something interesting: two of their best-selling games were a Las Vegas blackjack and poker, or uh, Las Vegas poker and blackjack. I'm sorry, that sold 1.9 million copies, and Major League Baseball sold 1.08 million copies, which is which what you know in in today's terms, that's not a lot, right? But back then, in a small market and a flooded market, nonetheless, that's a lot. That's a lot of copies. I believe the Las Vegas was a pack-in, though. No. Um, for the model one, yes. Okay. Yeah. So I always feel like those when, numbers are fudged. Like you can't really count those, can you? Uh I know they do, but I feel like that's like investment-like numbers, like fluff up. You well. Know, like, like when people say Wii Sports is wonderfully selling, I'm like, yeah, but it came with the it? Wii. Yeah, so it's like, does, do you really count that? So, and then there was there was at first there was no packing game for the Model Two and Three, and eventually uh, a number of packing games did come come in with it. Uh, so t- you know, take that for what it's worth. But Major League Baseball being the one being at 1.08 million, that's that's very interesting. It's funny how sports games are always the most successful on systems. <laughs> I mean, that, that trend's never died because... It's you know, never died. Uh, Maddens make great coasters. <laughs> uh, launch titles were ABPA Backgammon. It's your board game. Armor mm-hmm. Battle. Kind of a tank mission one. The Electric Company Math Fun. <laughs> wow. Dude, please, my panties can only get so wet. Right? That well, that was with your uh, that was with their educational uh, direction, and I'm Nares. How how fine? How are you on the fine day? I am doing well. It's a nice little Sunday, and then Las Vegas Poker and Blackjack. So those were those were launch titles. Not not bad, not bad. You had a good little variety there, I would say. Something for everyone, if you like armor battle. <laughs> I don't. Know. I feel like I wouldn't. I, it, it would get mom to buy it, I guess. Sure, because mom would want to yeah. play it as well, right? Right. But like, the idea. I don't know, as like the kid, I'd be like, well, armor battle sounds cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so the history the history of Intellivision was was quite interesting to just just research on a on a basic level. I found I found some good little tidbits in there, uh, which was interesting. Uh, but. Uh, even later, when the when they went down in '90 and they had to shut everything down, they started uh, because they were such a tight group of people because they lived, breathed uh, Mattel, right? Mm-hmm. 
and in television that they all became such close friends and a lot of them started up a website uh it's down now uh where it was think of like a forum site and they talked about the making of in television games um how it was to work there the conditions uh meeting standards meeting deadlines you know uh, I, i wish it was still up uh i really the video game crash book only only says so much about in television it kind of focused on commodore 64 and atari mostly right uh so i'd be very interested in getting uh that in television book to 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 get you know uh, what happened and all that and the um reception of this website and forum site uh got such good feedback and the fan base was still there for in television so hard that though those developers got together yet again because uh, they still had a lot of licenses for for most of their games and they created what is now known as Intellivision Lives which is a compilation of, of many popular Intellivision games uh, naturally some some licenses went out such as uh, you know the Pac-Man and Dig Dug and, and uh, a couple others um, of their more successful ones uh, just because they were ma- they were they were some of the few third party made games there was a um what's up i was gonna say the intellivision lives that compilation i think that pretty much just a side note covers mostly everything that's worth playing on that system yeah it kind of does it kind of does yeah and it's it's definitely uh i i i'm i have a gamecube copy of intellivision lives and most of the games we're going to talk about here uh of our eight games you can play on that yeah so really cool um, there was a um a, a small plug and play for Intellivision when like they were really big, and I remember it like that was my first exposure to it, and it, all it had were sports games. So man, what a disappointment! <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a. Bummer. And you want to talk? You want to talk about bad D pads? That thing was like, you know, when you look at uh like a square, essentially, there's three on top, three in the middle, three on the bottom. Yeah. So take out that middle piece, and that's your D pad. It's just this ring of arrows, and I was like, oh, this sucks. Uh oh yeah. Go on television. Mm. Eh. Uh, I have a few exper- few separate experiences with the Intellivision, and um, so the first one was when it was when I was a kid, and my uncle had both an Atari wood panel and an Intellivision, mm-hmm. and it was a Model Two, I believe, because when I saw the picture of the Model Two being its little white and red kind of thing going on. I remember those. They were both in his closet collecting dust, and I, we busted them out. We played a bunch of games. The Intellivision was very fascinating. Yeah, we had a bu- he had a bunch of sports games, as he does. Uh, I don't, uh, the, graphically, the Intellivision was very superior, right? Right. To anything else in the market, that's it had the best, uh, the be- the the best technology in the system, and. Uh, its marketing campaign was what had a lot to do with you know think of Sega and Nintendo right? In television would just put a side by side picture of this is an Atari baseball game, this is our baseball game, and it looks so much better, and it plays <clears throat> essentially the same way once you figure out how to control it. Of course, that's the most difficult mm-hmm. part, <clears throat> and that takes that takes a lot of people away. So that was my first experience. I was like, I don't know how to play, but once we did, I was like, this is way better, right? 
That was just as a kid. My second experience was was way later when I was living in Canada, and I went to New Brunswick on a business trip uh, with a fellow colleague, and we went to a um, you know a barcade, and they had a side room of all those early '80s consoles. You know, they had an Atari on one side, a ColecoVision on another, and an Intellivision on one other, and it was so fascinating to play those games in that environment like there was barely anybody back there there's like two other people while everyone else was playing you know the big arcade machines so uh again played major league baseball on the intellivision played a couple others but major league baseball on the intellivision was very fun it was very responsive and easy to get into two button does this eight button does that you know um so that was cool, and then my third experience was now, of course, playing the Intellivision Lives and playing with friends at the video game place that I went to. Because I was like, I, I went there and I go, hey, I gotta play Intellivision games, I would like to play the original console, you guys have, have that here, and I can talk about it on the cast. And I'm like, yeah, sure, we never get to bust this thing out. <laughs> so I played with a couple of friends uh, some of these games. Well, mm. do you have any experience at all with playing with the console or even a plug-and-play console? I mean, you mentioned beyond plug-and-play just a second ago. Yeah, beyond beyond that, I, I briefly played at a friend's house. Beyond testing it at a retro store, which is always a pain because, again, like I said, you had to hit buttons and, like, see what worked. Honestly, my biggest, like, exposure is the Intellivision Lives compilation. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really it, and that's how I mostly play anything pre-NES. Like, if it's got a compilation... That's as far as I want to take it, because like those are the games worth playing. You know, everything else kind of got lost in the in the due to time, because most of them are kind of overly complex for how simple they were. Uh, to an extent, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that's in television, uh, in a nutshell. With I hope you guys learned some songs, learned learned a thing or two. Hmm. And uh, I'm excited to talk about these about these eight games because there's um they're very simple. And so with that. Uh, I will play the drop. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get going, Kevin. What do you say? Yes, sir. Okay. What happens here at the Red Leaf Retrocast when we discover our hidden desires? It's a good workout. Yeah. The arcade version. (laughs) Yeah. For that shake weight, you know. (laughs) 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 Oh boy. The afterburner arcade system, the original shake weight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is not sexual at all. You're a D-pad. Shut up. You're a D-pad. You're a joystick. Ooh. I'm not a joystick. I'm just going to shake weight my afterburner for my joystick. <laughs> oh, boy. I need, I, need, I need new pants. <laughs> you need help taking them off, Colin? Ke- Colin. Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like when you confuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Say my wrong name. <laughs> Do you want me to be him? Is that what you want? You, you never look. You never. Oh no! <laughs> you can be my woman anytime. Uh, where has where have we gone? <laughs> pick top I'm flattered, gun. but no thanks. I fly solo. Thank you very much. Oh. Why did we pick Top Gun? No, we didn't want to hurt our, <laughs> hurt ourselves that much. Jeez. Fine, play Top Gun on GameCube. I don't give a. F- Maybe we should just stick to video games. This is the Red Leaf Retrocast, found on all your favorite podcasting outlets. And now, back to the show.
All right. I played the Street Fighter death music. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> oh, man. Look at all these people from Mixer coming in. Aqua Blue Husky. Look at that. And a new follower. Look at that timing. Fantastic. Right into when we're talking about all the Intellivision games itself now. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. Aqua Blue Husky. You're you're a you're a scholar. If you're an anime fan, definitely head on over to Twitter at bullyingjd. Find the pin tweet, and you can enter our contest for a high dive gift card. It's a new anime streaming site out there. Go do that. Swag. Simple little link. You just log in with uh, Google or YouTube or however, and simple, and I'll get a nice little contact. You'll be entered. We have um, we have a lot of entries. I think we're up to like 182 total entries, with seven possible ways of entering. So, Ooh. yeah, it's uh we're getting good reception on this one. So, Kevin, we both picked Hi. four games, four in television games. What a struggle it was. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the I because um a lot of company uh, Coleco and Intellivision tried to copy a lot of Atari games. The goal I had in mind was to focus more on games in television itself slash Mattel developed, right? Uh, Which I was that, I was busting your balls about, but honestly, yeah, it would have came down to here's Pac-Man on this, I guess. You know, so wanted to avoid games more well known with the other systems rather than in television. So no Donkey Kong because that's Coleco, right? No Pac-Man because that's Atari. Yeah, thing. Well, that's so, all, that's on everything. You see that one? I I I wanted to see I, how the disc worked. That's why I wanted to do that one. Yeah. Well, I get I get that they're that they're popular and it's on everything, but this, this you know what? Well, I'm I'm if we ever do an Intellivision two uh, cast, yeah. then we can start seeing like how these other games compare. You know. Right. Yeah. I guess so. Hopefully this this episode does very well, and we can we could always we could even do a uh, a console wars of like Intellivision versus uh, Television Coleco and Atari all against each other. You know, ooh, that would be interesting. Who I like who? Where you're thinking with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, similar thing we we want to do with like um, Nintendo, Sega, and uh, Turbo Graphics, right? Right. Hint for episode fifty. <laughs> Are you trying to get the people to incite a riot? Yeah, this should be fun. I love console wars, and console wars in the early '80s is just a fascinating thing with the whole crash. So, uh, uh, so my first game. Let's get into this. My first game. Uh, if you couldn't guess, all these games uh, are are available on the Intellivision. <laughs> I didn't look up ports because, let's face it, I'm sure they were ported everywhere at some point. You know, down the road. Um, so my first one was called Shark Shark. <laughs> it runs for about 15 bucks, developed, published by Mattel, released 1982. And this is going to be something that's going to come up, uh, when I was able to find it designed by, and certain names were always together with this. So, uh, Shark Shark was designed by Don Daglow with additional design and programming by Ji Wen Sao. So you can, based on these names, kind of assume, oh, this person was uh, probably in the Taiwan division or something. But 
Jiwon Sao was one of the first female game programmers in the history of video games. A little fun fact. Nice. Yeah. And this game was very simple. You start as a small fish. You eat other other fish or creatures of the deep that are smaller than you to gain points, and you eventually grow in size when you eat enough, all the way until you can eat the shark itself. Ooh. I uh, I believe this goes by many names. You might know it as something like Feeding Frenzy. Yeah. Uh, that's This was a game I, I like and I can never find a way to play it. Because there's always so different names for it, and it's such like it's like a random flash game more than like you'd ever see on like a console. Sure, um, but man, I, this this was addicting. I like this kind of game. This was a lot of fun. This was yeah. great. Uh, I do remember having an experience in the computer lab at school playing, you know, a variation of Shark Shark, and uh, just being totally addicted. You know, like Javanoid was the original uh, Arkanoid. You know. Or, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I got that backwards. Uh, Javanoid was Arkanoid. Right. I know what you were yeah. going for. Yeah. So, Shark Shark was... How how uh, how how addicting is it on, the, on a scale? Because if I'm talking about games from the early 80s, I think of addi- addicting the arcade loop and how it looks. It was... I mean, it was addicting. It's it's something you could pick up and play. Like I, I see this being here's a, here's a common theme. I'm gonna go by. It's, I see it being a great mobile game nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, pick it up. I'm waiting for somebody to. You know, I'm dropping my girlfriend off at the bathroom. All right, I'll wait out here while you do that. And I'd play this for like two minutes, die, and be like, all right, well that was fun. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's easy pick up and play. Am I, am I going to sit down and dedicate myself to get nine thousand nine hundred nine nine points? No, but it's it's fun. I'm not going to take that away from it. And I I like this variation where you had to avoid the shark the whole time. That was yes. a little different. Uh, normally, that's kind of something that pops up way later. But it was a fun game. I'd, I'd pick it up, turn it on. The only complaint I'd have is like being the Intellivision graphics the way that they were. Uh, it was kind of hard to tell like some things. Am I bigger than this? Am I not? And I kind of had to take a gamble until I really learned like how big I had to be. Like the, I think they were jellyfish. They were supposed to be. There was a time when like I'm the same size. Can I make it? Uh, I guess not. Ah, you got to take its tentacles yeah. into account. Right. So that's the trick. Yeah, it, it, it's fun. Um, but other than that minor annoyance, yeah, I'd pass it. Oh, it's an easy pass for me. Uh, I liked that whole. I don't think it's a graphics thing. I, th- I think because you don't, you can't quite tell if you're bigger. You're like, oh man, do I want to risk it situation? No, no, no. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do it later when I know I'm definitely bigger situation. I like that. But you want to get them points. You want to get them points. And that, that creates a good loop. I, I yeah. Shark, shark, easy. You can get, you can play this on Intellivision lives. So there you go. There you go. That's how I play so- the problem is these games are so simple. I'm I'm worried that we're not gonna have like so much to say about them. Uh, it's just kind of like it's a it's a game. It's a good game. It's a game. The it's a game. the the crabs and lobsters was nice. there was a good va- va- variation in what creatures were there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you're on one screen. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So my second pick. Is something that's near and dear to my heart. Not the game, but the franchise itself. 
It is Masters of the Universe, the power of He-Man. <laughs> Man runs around in singlet. Uh, it runs for about 11 bucks, and we're talking about the cartridges themselves, because uh, we're yeah. a retro retro gaming cast, right? At least this one is. Yes. Uh, later ported, I use that loosely, uh, yeah, to the Atari so... 2600 under Mattel's M-Network brand, which we spoke earlier in the uh, the history thing. And so I wasn't able to confirm that the people at Mattel had two different developers. One for the uh, Intellivision version and then one in the M-Network. Because as far as I could tell on the history, the M-Network were different developers compared to the people at uh, Mattel developing Intellivision games at their main base. Right? Right. I wasn't able to confirm that for this game. I just have a, a theory that it was different people developing for the Atari and the Intellivision co- uh, copies. Because they did come out in the same year. So, uh, this one, Masters of the Universe, was designed by Ma- Mike Sanders and Joseph Wagner. Two S's in Joseph. Uh, mm-hmm. First thing that pops out, Kevin, is this game has sick music. Yes, it does. It's just sick music. I was like, yes! Yeah, I, it really gets I, was me jam- I was jamming a little bit. It was very nice. And um, that's a theme in the Intellivision. Not only were the graphics better and very colorful, the music was great. And that, that attributes to the higher uh, quality uh, components that were in the console itself. It was able to pump out these sick tunes. <laughs> Technically a 16-bit system, by the way. It is technically a 16-bit system. Is, is yeah, absolutely. Suck it, Genesis. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. This. Um, I don't know if. I mean, I'm sure it's been said before. This is Defender. <laughs> to an it's extent, Defender. It's pretty much Defender, minus those very quick sections where you're chasing. I think that's Skeletor. Around. <laughs> yes, it it's, is Skeletor. Yeah. I know. I, I mean, I know it is, but it's like uh, that—that's not what he looks like. But are you? Hey, he's a blue skeleton-looking guy. That is for sure Skeletor. I am not nice. Uh, <laughs> it was a damn it, you, it He Man. <laughs> this this had an addicting little loop. Um, I I eventually did get bored with it though. Uh, it kind of just you know I was doing the same thing over and over again, and the loop wasn't very long. But it was a pretty fun game. I don't know. But beyond the music, like, am I motivated to really keep going? Eh, again, probably would be a cool mobile game one day. <laughs> well, it's a, uh, you know, all, all these games are pick up and play. That's the idea, right? Short bursts. You're not in, into in the theory. long eight-hour hauls that yeah, we're into in these days, right? Because them, them controls, man. Picking yeah. Up and uh, <laughs> the controls in this one were a bit flimsy on how you can control the ship and then later he-man himself uh the game consists of two levels you're in he-man's ship called the wind raider and you're shooting oncoming fireballs and then you quote-unquote capture as many skeletors on the bottom of the screen by dropping nets they're nets you know i would i thought they were like bombs and you're exploding the ground but if you look closely when the the little white square drops on the ship and hits the ground it expands, mm-hmm. right? And the expansion right. uh, catches a Skeletor. Why you're catching more than one Skeletor, I, you know, we'll never know. <laughs> right. 
but the overall goal is to get to the finish by going right without running out of fuel. You can slow down and go left to increase your points. Uh, but you r- run the risk of running out of fuel or getting hit by a fireball. So think of um, uh, think of your side-scrolling shooters where you can go mm-hmm. backwards as well as forwards. To me, there was never really a sense to ever go left because you want to go right and get to the goal, and that'll get you to your other level, your second level, where it's uh, Skeletor's... Um, he <laughs> it has a neat little cutscene of he's escaping on foot, and it has a little musical tune to it, like... <laughs> and he goes into not so much Castle Grayskull, but Skeletor's castle. Right. You know, with the big skull on it, which I was like, hey, look at those, look at them graphics. <laughs> I will say that was pretty impressive for, like... I, I just wasn't ready for the that to be that detailed for an Intellivision. I was like, oh, man, I see where all the uh, all the art went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So when you get when you get into the into the castle, there's um, Skeletor's on the far right of the screen and mm-hmm. He-Man starts on the left and Skeletor's just pumping what I think are fireballs at you. Just moving left. Right. And what's interesting right. is it, you know, with a lot of these old games, they're usually like one hit kill systems. Mm-hmm. Well, in this, you just have a uh, a timer that ticks down, and when you get hit by a fireball or Skeletor himself, uh, who's blocking you like a like a fullback in football <laughs> from getting to the end line, sports ball, yes, sports ball indeed. Uh, you uh, you'll get knocked back by the fireballs. You won't die. Uh, time will. Um, you know, go go count down quicker for a few seconds each time you get hit. Uh, or you can use a shield to not get knocked back, but you still lose time. Right. And so I then found, when you get, um, sorry, go ahead. So when you get to the far right and you pass Skeletor, they get in a nice little sword duel. And eventually Skeletor is like, fuck this, and he runs away. Music plays and it goes on next level. I found using the shield was almost, like, essential. I never really tried to dodge him. I just figured, well, I'll lose a couple seconds, but I'll just go straight. Exactly, I, yeah. I kind of sure. found, like, that, like avoiding was almost pointless. I mean, I guess, yeah, you're going to do it, but... Yeah, it's a simple it's little like loop. instinct. Yeah, a simple little loop. Um, I don't I don't hate it. It's just, you know, it was pretty good. I quite I yeah. quite enjoyed this. It, it, it wasn't yeah. bad at all. It... it it did wear out its welcome much faster than, say, Shark Shark. Right. But this is definitely this is definitely a pass, still, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You can't play that because of licensing rights, uh, naturally because of He-Man, Master of the Universe. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not on the Intellivision Lives, so... Um, yeah, you're going to have to get it some other, other ways, unfortunately. Uh, so, uh, luckily, the, the game store I had had a copy, which was nice. Oh, Shark Shark, um, you can play with more than one person, by the way, which was yeah, which yes, is nice. Is You're competing. Didn't mention that. Um, yeah, I really liked T-Man, and, and uh, as soon as I saw the ship, I knew I was like, oh my god, I'm in the Wind Raider situation. Uh, oh, there's that bitch Skeletor on the bottom. I'm gonna, I'm gonna capture his, I'm gonna drop a bomb on his ass, even though they're nets. <laughs> Damn, talking I, I got a nice little Skeletor. Yeah, I, hey, I got a nice little fuzzy feeling on that. Uh, Masters of the Universe was a was a good like childhood cartoon of mine. 
um, that and Thundercats. Mm-hmm. So this this really hit a good soft spot with me, and it's honestly I think it's a good it's a good uh, game based on a TV show, cartoon show situation. Neat. It's, yeah. Did did it pass for you? Oh yeah, it passed. But I'm I gotta say something when I give these passes. They're passes, but am I gonna go out of my way to play them? No. They're still good. But like right. if I, I'm fair. not I'm probably not gonna revisit both of those so far. Well you well you did say right away that, you know, going pre NES doesn't tickle your fancy at all. So True. So yeah. keep keep that there. Yeah. Alright. A third game is a little game called Diner. And this runs for about thirty three dollars. It's very expensive. May- yeah. And there's a reason for it, I might add. Mm. Developed by Real Time Associates, published by INTV, so we're now post nineteen eighty four acquisition uh, of um, the Intellivision rights. So now we're in INTV territory. Released in nineteen eighty seven, Kevin. This is yes. way later. Yeah, way this later. is the quote unquote sequel to Burger Time, sort of. The same name and characters were used from the old Data, data East. Uh, writes and due to non-recognition of this game by Data East, the game has never been re-released. This is the only way you can play Diner is via the Intellivision, and it's not on Intellivision Lives. Right, because they wouldn't allow it. They wouldn't allow it. Uh, I wasn't able to find uh, the designer of this, uh, so my only my my theory is it was made by the same guy who did the Masters of the Universe game because this was a this 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 specific game was made off the prototype of the Masters of the Universe game, which I'm very curious to how like what they took from that game to make this one because this one reminded me nothing of Masters of the Universe. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm watching gameplay and I'm like, how does that relate at yeah. all? <laughs> sure. So this is this, fun. This, um... Yeah, cool. Yeah, so this is fun. Uh, (laughs) Your objective is you are Peter Pepper, so just from like Burger Time. Uh, You must kick all the balls of food uh, around the board back down onto the plates. Um, By balls of food, they look like meatballs, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you avoid the quote-unquote rotten food coming to kill you, sort of like zombies, but they're food. So you have like a pepper attacking you and, and whatnot. Uh and there's there's a a simple mechanic that you have to get down, and that is to lure enemies and not get cornered. Yes. Yeah. Same and same can, deal. Burger time. Uh, yeah, yeah, an extent. Absolutely. The the difference here is you're on this like pseudo isometric 3D environment board with with uh, stairs and the like going up and down uh, instead of just ladders like Burger Time was. Mm-hmm. You know, Burger Time was very flat. This is very isometric-ish. Uh, and you can kick you can kick the, the little meatballs, balls of food, into the enemies for mad points. That was very satisfying. You lure them all in like a line, then you kick the food, and it's, you just hear the tink, 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 beep, beep, beep. And your points yeah. just go up like thousands. <laughs> it's almost as sad. I don't know what's more satisfying is whether you lure them all in a burger in Burger Time or kicking them down this ramp and everything just kind of got like knocked. And, you know, it was just... Ah, yes. Yeah, you're just like brushing the shoulder off. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I'm pretty good Four at Four peppers girl. and one kick, brah. Did you see that shit? <laughs> so, so you doing anything after this or uh, no? Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, babe, you want... 
I just used my spicy pepper to avoid getting killed. You want to take this in the bedroom? <laughs> Why are you calling the cops? Why do you have mace? Uh, no, we're just playing diner, officer, I swear. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I really appreciated uh, bringing back the um, the pepper mechanic, where you can freeze enemies and run by them in case you get caught. Naturally, you have a limited amount, but, you know, that was a good little good little ad. Yeah, uh, good game. Yeah. Uh, upon level completion, the scree- screen scrolls to the right direction. As Peter celebrates, um, really simple, like chip tune. Uh, and after every fourth level, this is what I didn't like about this game, because I was really into this. Uh, after every fourth level, there's a falling food gauntlet bonus stage. Right? It says bonus mm-hmm. stage. However, this is where it gets bad. If you get a food ball that's flashing. The, ra- the bonus round doesn't just end. You also lose a fucking turn. I hate it, games to do it, this. It marks your death. I'm like, what? That's bullshit. That that yeah. part, like, if if that specific, like, I'm okay with the bonus round coming to an end, right? That's your punishment for getting the. F- mm-hmm. But you don't fucking die on a bonus stage. A lot of games around this time did that though, like up until like Super Nintendo. Ah. Oh. It doesn't make it okay with me. I didn't say it was good. I, I think it's a terrible idea. It, in fact, it made me not want to, like, try in the stage. I was like, well, I'm going to die here anyway. Yeah. So. You know, um, think of uh, Shinobi on the Master System, game we've covered on the cast uh, before. You get to a, if When you get to a bonus stage in that game, yeah, it's hard as shit, and you, and you lose, but you don't fucking die. The game's hard enough as it is, right? <laughs> right. Imagine if you if, if the game punished you by by not surviving the bonus stage. I that really lost me on Diner. It, it's a it's a real shame that this game's never been re released. Because I, I, mean, I think I I think with the success of Burger Time, this game um, being as late as it came out and it's only released, there's no it's no wonder it's thirty three bucks, right? Yeah, but I mean, with all that being said, like that bonus stage only being on in television, I'd personally rather just play Burger Time. Well, I mean, that's the alternative, right? You don't need to play Diner. Yeah, so I mean, am I losing anything only playing Burger Time? Honestly, no. I could have lived without playing Diner or experiencing it. Um, it like I, like I'm gonna pass it, but soft pass. Uh, before death on the bonus round, this was my favorite game. Mm-hmm. I am passing it. Uh, it's just whenever I got to those bonus levels, I would actively not want to get points just because I was afraid of death and I wanted to keep playing. <laughs> right. So, so whether that's me being a pussy or not, I'll let the listeners decide. <laughs> Bitch. Uh, all right. So my fourth and final game, and I had to choose one of them. Was uh, B seventeen bomber, <laughs> and that was the most interesting part of this game. <laughs> uh, runs for about six bucks. Developed and published by Mattel. Released nineteen eighty two. One of the few games that was programmed to use the Intella voice modulator, so the game would talk to you. And why did I say B seventeen bomber like that? Well, that's because that's how the Intella voice 
would say the title. <laughs> this is basically an early flight combat sim game. You know, Addict's Crux. It's very simple, uh, yeah, but it's... but very complicated at the same time. There's too much on the screen. I, I got to the overworld where I saw all those icons on what I think is Europe, and I was like, ah, uh, nope. No, it's definitely Europe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it, I I really, I didn't have any idea what to do. I think I barely got started. So, good mm-hmm. luck. So, uh, you get in a plane right away. It's this first-person viewpoint, and uh, you, you, you get east, west, north, south, and you want to even out the plane, right? And it's going in a direction. So you can change to a... So you're in this first-person view of the plane. And you can change to a number of different screens. You can change to the map of Europe, which has a bunch of icons on it, which your objective is to bomb and fuck up all the icons, right? So there's... there's, uh, Yeah, there's various things you can bomb and shoot, such as uh, oncoming planes, um, uh, 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 barracks... Uh, anti, anti air, t- uh, anti ground to air guns, etc. You know things like that. And uh, what ends up happening is the uh, IntelliVoice. It I found it worked surprisingly well and enhances this, the game experience because, um, let's say, you pass a certain point and a plane's coming from behind. The IntelliVoice will say, "Plane six o'clock." So then you change the viewpoint to look behind you, and there's a plane behind you, and then you can shoot. You can try and shoot the plane down before it shoots you down. That was real cool. I really like that. Like that's using this extra little module to its advantage. So instead of like freaking out and always checking your six, or your west or your east, your the IntelliVoice is think of like a radio operator who's got your back, right? I I, I thought that was really cool. So, um, excellent. Like, that was excellent. Now, controlling the plane itself was really tedious, and, you know, you weren't sure when you were going to hit the ground. Uh, Really tough to avoid the oncoming fire from the ground and stuff. You know, it felt real cheap at times. So, as ambitious as as this game was, I didn't really fully enjoy it to the extent I was kind of going into it thinking I was going to enjoy it. What'd you think? Because you had a hard time playing it in the first place, right? Yeah, I, I, I really didn't get far. I, I couldn't figure out how to control the plane. I didn't know what I was doing. There was nothing on screen. Yeah. Again, I, I uh, was emulating it, so I didn't really get the voice. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a that's a bummer. That's going to make the game immediately harder. It, you almost need it to play it. Like you're, So, I don't know. I just... It wasn't for me. This is the one I'm going to fail right now. Um, that's fair. That's fair. It was just it was too simple while at the same time being way too fucking complex. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I figure we had to pick an IntelliVoice game for sure. Yeah. Um, so, but I really liked the voice modulation in this. It was really cool how that how it was implemented. Uh, and before I played any of these games, I looked up an instruction manual on how to play them. <laughs> so that was nice. That that saved tons of time and frustration. Uh, mm-hmm. Would it have been more funny if I'm like, how do you fucking play this? Well, that's where you come in, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I did what I could, okay? Uh, Alright. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fail B-17 Bomber. As cool as the as the voice modulator was in this game, 
Uh, it's just not my, just not for me, and it felt too cheap at times. So, right. Kevin, what was your first pick? As we my go into first our pick game was appropriate a game with a cute little ass penguin because I love penguins. It's Thin Ice for the Intellivision. Quirky little arcade game where you play as Duncan the Penguin, who enjoys skating on thin ice, especially around other penguins. So pretty much uh, the goal of this game is to do that. Skate around penguins, connect lines, and you make the ice fall through to the water and clear the level as you do uh, to get rid of all the penguins. I um, There's a game similar to this. Is it Kicks? I believe it's called Kicks or Jez Ball or something like that if you ever okay. play it on Windows. Um, yeah, pretty much just make these lines connect and clear the board as much as you can. It's, it's a simple premise. Um, I kind of think it's a little messed up that this penguin is trying to kill all of his friends personally, but. Well, he's just being a bully. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty much an asshole actually. Um, but it's, it just keeps getting more complex and more and more. You try to make the longest line you can to get more points to cover more of a square. Yep. And the enemies move on to the next little puzzle, and yeah, there you go. Simple little yeah. game. It's very simple. Um, yeah. So this was uh, developed by Mattel, published by uh, INTV Corporation. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So kind of a mix, kind of a mix, uh, developed to publish situation. So they hadn't gone full. I I mean, they were full INTV, but there were still remnants of Mattel left, uh, and it came out in 1986. So late, right? Right, late yeah. low lifespan. It runs for about twenty bucks, and I couldn't figure out why it was that expensive compared to a lot of the others. Because you can play this on the Intellivision Lives, which is how I played it. I think it was just one of the better games, and oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I fell in love with this. I never wanted to put it down. Um, there's a uh, an evil seal and polar bear along the level. The seal's super fast. Uh. The trick is to get the what they call shrimp cocktails. They look like McDonald's french fries. Uh, and that yep. will increase your speed to get away from the seal. So you kind of want to save those when the seal gets on your ass. Because uh, then eventually, if you avoid the seal long enough, he'll get kind of pissed off and shake his head. He's like, ah, I can't get him. <laughs> yeah. And they destroy your lines too, so. Yes. You really, yes, you really got to avoid them. Yeah, it, it helps to move across the water that you've uh, uh, you've dumped the ice ice squares out of, and that'll that'll help you mm-hmm. avoid the seal just a little bit longer. So that was cool. I, I you know at first when I played, it, I thought uh, falling in the water was going to be an instant death, but it you know using logic, hey, penguins can fucking swim, <laughs> which was nice. Yeah, so neat little game. I'd, I'd pass it. I'll keep playing. This would be a great mobile game. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how it, it would. Work, I guess you would just, just run your finger the around screen. the screen all the time. Just swipe it. Like, he'll keep going left till you swipe down and swipe up, you know? Uh, yeah, I suppose that could work. Yeah, yeah. Just, same concept, yeah. for sure. So, uh, what'd you think about... Cool. What, what was your reaction when you ran into the polar bear for the first time? Ah! Uh, that's pretty okay. scared. I, I actually that's pretty much the sound I made. I'm not even lying. Okay. I was like, no. <laughs> when I when I when I ran in when I ran into him, I was like, did that guy just fucking punch me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like boom, and you just character flies left or right <laughs> all the way. Polar is an asshole in that game. <laughs> I really like the little animation of the seal, like putting putting you 
putting you the the penguin on his nose and then flipping you mm-hmm. off like a like this the circus act. I think that was a nice little touch. <laughs> it was a good little like I I honestly I could see um if only we were in 2006 again. Like this would be on the like Xbox Live Arcade as like a a little like summer of arcade thing and be like download. I could see it with like bubbly graphics. That might be a little oh, thing sure. that they little, should do. A little upgrade. It would have been a great Vita game. God damn it, Sony. Well, you know, you, that brings up an interesting point with the with the supposed new Intellivision console coming out. I wonder oh, yeah. if they're going to have a lot of these old Intellivision games kind of, you know, upgraded with what you just said. You know, the, and add well, a few controller things. Su- the control po- blah, blah, blah. the controller is supposed to be touchscreen, so I can see that control screen kind of working the way I described it, but I forgot yeah. that it was coming out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'll be keeping my eye on it for sure. Not unlike the um, uh, that Atari thing that's coming out, which has been delayed. Yeah, that- oh, who saw that coming? <laughs> I, I literally saw the news of it getting delayed. I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Who cares? Uh, none of us <laughs> believed like it reaction. was going to make its date. None of us believed it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Easy pass for Thin Ice. I I yeah. vastly enjoyed this game so much. Yeah. So far, this is my favorite game on the list, by the way. Mm. All right. What's so, next? That's cool. Uh, a game that I feel the opposite about. <laughs> oh. Uh, Thunder Castle. Just, uh, well, let me read first. Developed by Mattel and published by INTV, our favorite, released in 1986. Uh, The object of this game is to grab an item that gives the player temporary invincibility and use it to kill pretty much everything on the screen. Uh, I think you wrote, what, 11 enemies? My notepad's cut off. Three levels, um, kind of in that simple loop of just... It's almost Pac-Man-y, I guess you could describe it. Yeah, yeah, in a way. Um, Very Pac-Man-y. I just feel like... Uh, the enemies are just too big, almost. Like, Pac-Man the Ghost kind of took up one singular space. Um, this kind of has an... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, an expanded... Uh, I can't think of the word. Just too big of enemies, so it kind of made the mazes harder to navigate. Um, honestly, okay. I, it was just a slower-paced Pac-Man to me, and I'd, I'd rather play Pac-Man. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I, definitely, can... I definitely see the Pac-Man comparison, for sure. Yeah. And the maze can block you off at times, so you've got to make sure you don't get stuck. Uh, you know, it, it's okay. Um, I just, man, I, I really just wanted to play Pac-Man after this instead. Mm. The, uh, yeah, the, there's three levels you go through. You have outside the castle, so you're in, like, shrubberies, mm-hmm. um, in a maze-type situation that constantly changes, which I thought, you know, brought in a different form of difficulty, because you're trying not to get cornered. Right. Um and uh, you're being chased by a giant dragon. Uh, and the objective there is to get the 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 bat that's flying around, and that'll make you invincible. Uh, when you beat three dragons, and they they go up in difficulty um, slash speed, uh, you end up inside the castle, and that's where you can get a mouse. And you, same concept. Um, the walls are changing because wizard the the whole instruction manual was like, the wizards are constantly changing the layout inside the castle. Can you defeat the wizards? <laughs> With your helpful uh, animals. And so this is referencing the mouse and uh, 
And then your third level is the castle dungeon, in which you get a skull. So it's like, apparently, I guess you're supposed to think it's like the lost remnants of a of an animal buddy or a, or a fellow knight, right? And you mm. defeat the demons inside. Same concept. The dungeons are constantly changing because the demons are bad. <laughs> uh, and uh, early, the game. Um, what's it called? Early roguelike, if you will. Ah, uh, yeah. You could absolutely oh, yeah. say that. In theory, this should be your favorite game, Kevin. <laughs> In theory, but you know, just because you did it first doesn't mean it's the best. The if the character moved a bit faster, it, I I agree it would have been even more enjoyable. He was he was a little too too on the slow side. Uh, yes. I did I did find the game got way better after I looked up what each of the the secondary items do. So you got like a crown, a necklace, you know those things, a candle that pop up around the level, and you have to get to them in time. And when you find out which one does which to help you avoid getting stuck. Like, uh, I believe the necklace transports you to an open space mm-hmm. to avoid getting trapped. So that's cool. So the items do pretty cool things that help you out, uh, which I can't think of another game that really does anything like that. Uh, especially from the early 80s, early to mid 80s. I mean, this this was definitely a, an ambitious title, I would say. Yeah, it, it was yeah, ambitious is the right word, but. I feel like a little more fine-tuning and better design decisions, like, you know, faster character. It could have stepped it up from being meh to mm-hmm. being good. It was, just, it was very slow-paced. What I noticed is uh, the more the years go on, you can kind of tell that the developers, the programmers, were getting better and more uh, more inventive with the games mm-hmm. and how to, how to, how to play them. You know, because at you know in the eighty to eighty three, they were very simplistic, right? Right. Very and now we're getting movie. games like Thin Ice and Thundercastle and Diner in the late eighties, and you're just like, wow, these are like the best, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. They're get they're getting good. Uh, I'm sure this game had an audience when it came out, but oh, it has yeah. a Dungeons and Dragons feel to it for sure. Well, that yeah, just because of knights and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Game runs for about twenty bucks, so it's a little bit more on the expensive side. But hey, you know it's a late eighties game, so that's that's the trend right now. Late eighties yeah, and television games they run. They, that's but even that's then, the like the most ex- NES game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I'm curious. I'm gonna look this up right now. What's the most expensive in television game? Um, as Ooh, you talk I was about. Say... Uh, th- um, Thundercastle. I play it via the Intellivision Lives. And uh, mm-hmm. I give it a pass. I the thing is, it's not inherently offensive, so I I pass it. It's just I don't know, it was boring. Okay, so that's I fair. I, I guess how you want to look at pass in this scenario. So the uh, so there's only one, two, three, four, five in television games over a hundred dollars. The system changer. Uh, that we spoke about earlier, that can play the Atari games. That's one hundred and twenty-two dollars. So you're better off just buying That's, an Atari. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Unless you're really low in space. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a what what's the word? There's a charm to having having it, but you'd have to also have the Intellivision Two model, right? Yeah, which so and that that's like seventy bucks. 
Yeah, it's it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, so, uh, just real quick, uh, from the bottom, from the bo- uh, hundred nine is Mountain Madness Super Pro Skiing. I'd be very curious of that about that. Tutankham, so I guess a mummy game, Tutankhamun. That's one hundred eighteen. Stadium Mud Buggies, so uh, dirt um, ATV game. That's one hundred thirty nine. Learning Fun Two. <laughs> Is two hundred dollars. <laughs> I think we can live without that one. And then Biker Super Pro Volleyball runs for nine hundred dollars, a eleven hundred dollars complete in box. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, oh sure. man, why not? I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah. Why? Actually. Mm. So, well, okay. Okay. Moving on. There's a Scooby-Doo game that came out on the Intellivision? Oh, don't... No, it's not great. Trust me. Oh, come on. It's it's not great. Trust me. It's, All right. It's, you would, yeah, honestly, you would have no idea it's Scooby-Doo if, if it didn't say it on the box. Oh, I played it my before. Childhood here. You're, you right, played fine. the Intellivision Scooby-Doo game before? Somebody brought it in to test. <laughs> Let me clarify that. I put the cartridge in and turned it on and went, what? And that was it. (laughs) Good story, bro. Yeah. Well, you know, I give you what you asked for. You're like, Scooby-Doo, where are are you? Scooby-Doo, why? Just why? (laughs) Why are you? (laughs) What are you? uh, What are you doing here? I forgot that that, Scooby-Doo was big around then because I remember watching it on like Boomerang. And I forget oh. Boomerang is not my time. Oh, I, I loved Boomerang. <laughs> yeah, good stuff on there. Alrighty. Okay, what was so, your next game, Kevin? Uh, the next game I picked was something so on the opposite end of the price spectrum. Sure. Uh, it was Mot- Motocross for the Intellivision, developed and published by Mattel in 1983, designed by Rick Koenig. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. Koenig. Koenig, sure. Yeah. Basically, uh, like you wrote, it's Excite Bike. Um, very, I was going to say simple, but very complex Excite Bike with trying to do the isometric view. Um, yeah. But it's just really, really slow, um, which I find is a common theme with Intellivision. I don't know if they were trying to compensate for the controller, um, but the game just moves really slow. It didn't feel like motocross at all. Um you can make your own tracks in this, but I don't think there's a way to save it, as far as I could tell. Um, you can race other characters, but honestly, it just it wasn't really a race. It was kind of more like following a computer character that would freeze to stay where it was until you caught up to it. Uh, and it was just really not fun Excite Pike. <laughs> hmm. So, there was that. I don't know how you feel with it. I just kind of felt like... This had potential. Like if the if they went faster, and there was more speed to this game again, like Thunder Castle, game could have been really good, but just way too slow. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, they overprogrammed the game. If that's even a term you could use, like tried no, too I, much, I like and, the, it. And, and and the system just couldn't keep up with it. Because mm-hmm. uh, it, it does have enormous replay value with the custom track maker, right? Right. Uh, so that's that. Give credit where credits due. That's that's a brilliant idea. 
Yeah, the uh, the note where the biker gets too far ahead, your opponent or you yourself, and um, the lead bike will then freeze in place, even in air, even mm-hmm. just to let the uh, the the back bike catch up. In or and and that's in order. Uh, and I, I this this was um, I did find a, a nice little article by by Rick Koenig. He goes, it was so difficult to program. Uh, two on the screen at the same time. You had to have them be on the screen at the same time, no matter what. The technology wasn't there for like a zoom out option or anything. Like nothing right. could handle it at the time. So uh, he uh, he's on record saying like that was the most. It was it, the the idea was there. It just couldn't. It wasn't executed. Um, wasn't able to be executed at the time. So that was disappointing. Uh, but no, nonetheless, um, there's even a CPU versus CPU gambling mode implemented in the game. So really get that addiction going. <laughs> Start them young. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a black rider and a red rider. It's like, I got 15 on black boys. <laughs> that's a fun. That's probably going to be a fun drinking game. That would be a, a ridiculous drinking game. Uh, so a friend of mine, when we were playing this game, we came up with uh, kind of two challenges. We came up with the stopwatch challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Where if we were playing head to head, when when one would get ahead, and it, as soon as you saw your character freeze, you would uh, you would hit the the stopwatch or hit you know hit the lap timer, yep. and um, we uh, until you would start going again, you would you would time it. So whoever had the least amount of or the most amount of time ahead by the end of the race, that was the true winner, right? Even if, you know, one passes another at the end. Because there was right. no way to stay ahead, right? And right. the other way was to create a track uh, and bike by your lonesome and just time that track, and you'd switch off. You know, Excite Bike-esque. Because there was no timer on the uh, on the screen. Right. So it's kind of filling in the gaps of the game that should have been there. You know, a timer, I think, could have easily been implemented in. And you could just write down the time instead of doing it yourself. So, ambitious game, just not quite executed well enough. Uh, Motocross, unfortunately, as much as I like the idea behind it and what it did, it gets a fail. Yeah, very ambitious. You tried. um, I feel like the game... Just it was so close, you know. Just speed it up a little bit; it would have been it fine. Was very close, yeah. It was just too slow, very sluggish, and in, in turning, um, the bikes can crash into each other, which was real cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, it game was only okay. goes for about six bucks, anyways. It's on Intellivision Lives, so. Yeah. It's right. okay. Not great. Let's get on to our last game. Our last game, which was Neo. And by neato, I mean I, I just kind of like the genre. Uh, it is Pinball for the Intellivision, developed and published by Mattel. Uh, it's, again, it's a very, oh, designed by da, da, yeah, Don Daglo, the guy that did Shark Shark. Uh, so this is a, a, like you wrote, basic idea of a pinball game. Um, that being said, when I played this, I immediately started comparing it to Atari's Pinball, which okay. was ter- terrible. Um, so this game at least went for like the aesthetic one up it looks better i there's a lot more things going on on screen um it kind of tried to represent a real pinball table 
you know, mm-hmm. at least for that time. Whereas Atari was just like, here's squares, I guess. Um, they tried to do dual flippers on each side, which kind of worked out. It was fine. I mean, I really didn't have any issues with it. But that being said, it's a very basic pinball game, you know. Yeah. Um, not really a whole lot of goals because at the time pinball was just surviving. There weren't really ramps or right goals to do. Um, you know, is it the best pinball game in the world? No, but I, I would want it on my Intellivision. So I don't know how you felt about it. There's not so much to say, but it was an improvement by what else was out there at the time. Uh, yeah, I thought it was very colorful. I thought the s- sound effects were in accordance, uh, which mm-hmm. kind of which made it feel like a pinball game. Uh, it felt like an advanced Arkanoid in a way. Okay. Because you had to take out blocks in order to get up to the next level slash next pinball board because there was three of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And you didn't you didn't lose a turn until you got like knocked back to uh, uh, pinball board one. Um, Very I did like, find uh, a Kirby. Excuse me. I believe it was like Kirby uh, did that. Yeah, uh, there's a few. I think um, Devil's Chase. I think that's a Turbo Graphics uh, pinball game. That did, that has something. I think it was Devil's Chase. I might get, be getting the name wrong very easily. Uh, I did find one cheap thing the game had a lot of. This pinball game was when you uh, when you hit the hit the ball into a certain area and it comes out of a port, uh, especially on on um, level one. There, uh, it just shoots out and it's and it goes right down the middle. Every yes, time, yes, so you does. have to use the tilt button option. I was like, and I was just like pumping every controller out. So I, this was the one game I, I made the mistake of not looking up the instruction manual prior because I'm like, mm-hmm. it's pinball. How 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 bad could it be, right? Well, right. I was then trying to figure out what the tilt button was so I could so you avoid so that that gives the game at least this kind of a pinball game a different sort of difficulty curve. Because if you know that if it's going to come out of this port every time and shoot down the middle, you have to time the tilt just right so it doesn't do that. So it, yeah. As cheap as it is, it's it it brings uh brings something else to the table ra- rather than just thinking it's your standard pinball experience. And I do it's like not, the free board option. Yeah, it it wasn't you know that, I guess that was kind of their way of simulating physics because how are you going to do that on a television? Right. Um, yeah. So. I, I get it. Not the smartest idea, I guess, but, you know, it's not perfect. Yeah, um, Don Daglow seems to be one of the better uh, designers for Intellivision games. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking up more of his games himself. It's funny how, you know, we essentially picked just eight games off this and uh, we got a couple of the same creators um, for these. And most of these were pretty good. Uh, even even a couple of bad. Now I'm sure there's a lot of stinkers out there, and who would want to yes. play those? <laughs> True, right? But uh, either one of these could have been easily bad. Uh, there's some interesting ones I would love to revisit uh, for Intellivision. There's one where you like go through, um, like the exoskeleton or the insides of a person, and you're trying to like fight viruses oh, off inside the body. Yeah. It doesn't go. I, I know what you're talking about. It doesn't go all the way down though. It like stops at like the the pectorals. Oh, that's okay. That's, it's still interesting. Yeah. Like you're going through guts oh. and brains and eyeball. There's a big eyeball on the side and whatnot. Um, yeah. There's uh, 
you know, there, and then there's like the Pac-Man version. There's the... I'm not sure if a Donkey Kong game ever came out on the Intellivision. It wouldn't shock me. Um, I want to say yes, but... Yeah, probably. Hmm. So, I'd be curious to see how the... Um, the voice modulator would work with World Series Major League Baseball. I think that was the one. That one's like a $70 game just because it, it uses the modulator and I think the... It uses another component to the Intellivision. That's why it's so expensive. It's like the only game that used more than one modulator. And it was limited release on top of it. Yeah. And the system's not in high demand, so if you want to ever pick this up, really, it's not hard to find one. Um, no, and I, I think I would I think I would get the original and then uh, I'm sure I could find s- some eBay seller that's modded an Intellivision yeah. to play the Atari games with the with the module anyways. <laughs> you also got to find the right way to hook it up because it's not EV ports. You're going to have to deal with that like RF thing. Good luck on each. On each oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure people have modded that as well out there. I'm sure they have people yeah. out there doing crazy things. Yeah, but I have Intellivision lives, and and uh, that that gets me a good chunk. Um, apparently, Dig Dug uh, was an Intellivision exclusive for a while, and it was ported later after they lost after Mattel lost the license. Weird. Never would have expected yeah. that. Actually, yeah, that was that was an interesting fact. So, because uh, c- um, that when I was looking up what like how did they come up with the idea of Intellivision lives and what games went on it, they basically mm-hmm. wanted to put all the good Intellivision games on there, but they couldn't put... The ones they couldn't put on there were the license expiration ones. Um, and uh, Dig Dug was was like an asterisk of, like, no, this was this was a third-party exclusive to Intellivision. But then when uh, Mattel and Intellivision, like, went down, essentially, Dig Dug then went to other consoles, and that that's where it, like, exploded in popularity. <laughs> yeah. So I missed out on a big one there, Mattel. Well, it's like Donkey Kong with Coleco, right? True. It's that same concept. You don't associate Donkey Kong with Coleco anymore. You associate it with Nintendo. That's true, I guess. Yeah. Well, all right. So just to run through our eight games right fast, we have Shark Shark, Masters of the Universe, The Power of He-Man, Diner, B-17 Bomber, Thin Ice, Thundercastle, Motocross, and Pinball. Kevin. Yes. My man. My lead guy. Hey. Favorite and least favorite. Oh, what? Favorite and least favorite, boy. Oh, I thought you called me your favorite least favorite. I was like, well, that's a insult. You can, you can be my favorite. It's fine. Yeah, well, you said favorite, least favorite. Uh, favorite oh. game is going to be Thin Ice. I just thought that was really fun, addicting. Followed by a close second, Shark Shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to pick one or the other, but Penguins, zoom it out. Um, sure. le- least favorite, just B seventeen Bomber. Uh, I couldn't. I literally just couldn't get it to work the way I wanted to. I didn't know what I was doing. I that you literally need an external thing to make the game like do what it's supposed to. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of incon- inconvenient. You know, I, I did, when I was going over this before, I was telling JD, you know, those games kind of bored me, and they did, but they're not bad. 
Um, so if you appreciate things before the NES, this is a good selection of games to really go with. But, you know, you just got to put your mind in that time frame. Absolutely. So, yeah. I'm glad you were pleasantly surprised by it all then, because I know yes. you were kind of dreading this uh, a little bit, but I'm glad you end up having it's fun. A, you know, uh, you don't have to play these games very long to get it, right? Yeah, it didn't, it didn't take a lot of my day to get them. It's no 3DO. I mean, so. <laughs> I, I, will, I will admit, like, the after doing this now and reminiscing a bit of my personal experiences with the Intellivision, these, the console and the games have a new kind of, new place in my retro gaming heart it really does because mm. uh, we've did we did find some really fun games as simplistic as they are and i am in full agreement with you like thin ice was was my favorite i definitely played that the most out of anyone any of them uh it had the most variety with the enemies and everything and and um as much as i wanted to like b17 bomber uh flight combat sims just aren't really my thing first of all and then playing a game that just felt too cheap at times. Yeah, B-17 Bomber, Intellivoice aside, uh, that's my that was my least favorite. Um, followed by Motocross, probably, just because of how slow it was. And that whole yeah. freezing the biker situation. Uh, but mm-hmm. after reading like how, how difficult it was to program at the time, uh, I kind of gave it I kind of gave it a, a leeway situation, you know? That's that. Yes, that's that true. mindset going back. Like, look, these were all twenty-year-olds fresh out of college being asked to make all these games when they had zero experience, right? And yeah. that's kind of also why I kind of stayed. I, I veered away from really harping on the controls a lot because that was mm-hmm. saved for you know you get an television, you're like, what the fuck is this? Immediately, so rather than just rinse and repeating that same complaint over all these games, uh, I would definitely recommend before you play any probably ColecoVision game as well, any Intellivision game, look up the instruction manual and the controls first. That will save you a lot of time and frustration to uh, of this convoluted uh, number pad controller. So Agree. Yeah. Uh, this was a really fun uh, topic. It was a really fun um, console-exclusive uh, look back. Uh, I... I think if we're going to revisit, yeah, it would be like a console war situation, and um, I'd be very curious to look up what game, because we kind of missed out on this, I didn't realize, until after we'd picked the games. No one picked games from the 80 and 81 era, you know, at the beginning of it all. Hmm. Our earliest one was B-17 Bomber at 82, so... uh, the Intellivision was the most successful in its earliest stages. And 83 was the downturn, right? So it's it's interesting now that we've covered all these games that we really liked the later releases rather than the well, ones that they made were more it popular in the first they, place. They were a little less simple of just do the same thing, you know? Yeah. They kind so of just figured in, it out. Yeah, just in my free time, I'm going to look up some some 80, 81 releases and see what those are. Uh, I know the baseball one's probably, you know, that early one, and obviously the, the poker blackjack game is early as well. So, uh, I really enjoyed playing a lot of these with two people. It, you know, there was good friendly competition involved. I do recommend uh, 
playing these games with somebody because the two-player option is in most of these games where you compete for a score. And that's that's at the heart of the era, right? Get, gotta get that high score. That score. That score. Well, okay. Uh, if you want to join a community, we have partnered up with Retro Twitch. So head on over there uh, to join their Discord. Lots of great retro gaming fans over there. You can go uh, hit them up on Twitter, RetroTwitch.com. Nice little link in in their uh, on their profile page to get into the Discord. Quite easy. Very friendly. Uh, always talking about whether it's speedrunning games, uh, collecting games, finding deals on games, playing retro games. Uh, I throw in modern stuff talk all, all the time over there because everyone else is talking retro. <laughs> and then uh, naturally, yeah, and then naturally hit up Anime Radicals. I was just on an episode, uh, Timely Reviews, uh, that, that came out over the movie Alita Battle Angel. So we talked about kind of the movie, how our, how we felt on it, comparing between the anime OVA series and even the manga that it's based on. That so, was an anime. I knew it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It Did you see like the movie, Kevin? I... No, I didn't. Okay. I do recommend Which it ju- for an action yeah. flick it... purpose. It just looked like something. I was like, why are her eyes so big? And then I put it together. I was like, uh, <laughs> got it. Yeah. So go check out Anime Radicals. I hope to uh, to do do more over there as at least an episode a month I hope to be on over there. So this has been Redleaf Retrocast, Retro Gaming Edition, episode 40 over the Intellivision. And we already have our next topic chosen, our theme, and it's over time travel. So games featuring time travel. We got six yeah, games for that one. Uh, so we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye.